0: Welcome to a special Sunday episode of Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissident thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live from on top of Old Meth Mountain here in Tennessee. Odell is off today. We're doing this show on um, Sunday because we've got Corey Clark from one of my favorite bands, Warrior Soul, on. And he is out in Greece, so it's like 4 in the morning when we usually do our Wednesday show, right, Dee?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's usually, like, in the middle of the flippin' night. And I, you know, I'm useless past, like, 11 or 12, so I can't expect anybody else to stay up all
0: night. So, yeah, we've got some great stuff coming up. Uh, This Wednesday, we actually
1: have the feathers that are going to be on our regular time, Wednesday at 8, and then in three weeks we've got Caleb Cunningham of Project Lionheart coming on. and that's gonna be pretty darn cool.
0: All right on. All right, let's not waste any time. Um, let's get Corey Clark in here. Corey, my friend, happy New Year's. Happy New Year to you. How you doing? Sound
2: you sound good? You guys sound great. really good.
0: Yeah, this new um, network is working out well. We had so many like um, sound issues with Blog Talk, and D has worked like a maniac, just tweaking the sound, and especially on playback. It's damn near perfect.
2: Well, it, you guys sound clear as a bell. It's really refreshing, actually. I bet. Work. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, everything's going good here. Um, you know, uh, we're all whatever. We're in Greece. That's <laughs> cool. Well, hey, before we dig
0: into cuz I definitely want to spend a lot of this time talking about your new live album Tough as Fuck, but let me ask yeah. you this first cuz I was thinking about this the other day we were taking our tree down and I was looking at the painting that I got from you. How's the art going? Cuz I really it's like co- like I said I got your painting hanging downstairs in our rec room. We I I'll tell you
2: why. I mean, the paintings have been going really well. Um we're looking at doing um setting up a gallery in cyprus uh coming in spring yeah so it's it's gonna be you know i've really been concentrating on doing them um really working on making them look more and more you know what they are amazing killer affordable paintings for rock and roll people that like piss off your family when they come over.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad you know. used to get pissed off on my comic book posters, so I can't imagine it yeah, yeah. he'll see, <laughs> think when he walks in and sees that. He's like, why yeah. can't you have Picasso hanging on your wall? What are you, a child? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. when you see, you know, something, you know, an American flag upside down, it says, fuck the pigs, he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> mom's not, mom's not going, yeah, okay, this is meant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't matter. It's it's really cool. Um, We've been making some really you know good strides, uh, and hopefully we'll do a couple showings this year. I don't know where we're gonna do it, but we're thinking uh, they've been bugging me for America for a while, so maybe we'll get it in there.
0: Are you in this Thank weird place though, where like you play music for a while, and then you're like, "Damn it, I need to get back to my art," and then you do art for a while, like with this upcoming exhibit, and you're like, "Man, now I'm getting burned out on this. I need to jump back into the band." Well, it's
2: it, it kind of works like you, you go on tour with with the music, and it's so uh, energy overwhelming. You it takes a lot out of you, and and you come back and like after a cup after a month, let's say. Maybe three, four weeks, and you're you writing and, and preparing for the for the tour, which is is as much work as touring anyway. Um, when you come off the tour, you kind of want to shift your your artistic mode into something different because it keeps you fresh. If you just keep pounding and pounding away at the one thing, it seems to me I I I start repeating myself, and I don't like doing that. So it's uh. But a lot of these things, like I'm doing paintings and writing the new album right now. So it's, they all kind of coincide and work together in a weird way as well. Is art like your playtime now and the band's like more
0: serious or is it vice versa?
2: It's, you know, the, the painting over the last four or five years has really become as integral a force in my life as the, as the music is. Wow. You know, yeah. this
0: past year, we were we did a show a few weeks ago, and like I said in the intro, it's like 4 a.m. when we're doing musical osmosis on Wednesday nights, but yeah. um, we talked about all the great talent that passed away in 2016. Is that fucking right. unsettling to you when you see all these cats that you grew up with start passing away?
1: Well, you know, I
0: mean, I'm still here.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just know.
0: incredible. It's unsettling to me just watching people that I grew up being fans right. of all kind of disappear.
2: You know, it's... Uh, if you see the, the, the lifestyles and the way that people, you know, conduct their business as human beings in their life, you can understand why some of them die at certain ages. And, uh, you know, it's just rock and roll, being an artist, you know, and being a true pure artist is not really good for your, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? You're not necessarily gonna make it to 95, you know. A lot of people do, but you know, it's a lot of genetics play a part in that. And Um, you know, I just, who knows. Just
0: sitting here in my bedroom, I can't imagine how many years this fucking show has taken off my life.
2: (laughs) I bet. What color is your hair right now?
0: Oh man, it—he can tell you. We don't even know anymore.
1: No, honestly, we don't even know what color his hair actually is <laughs> because I dye it all the time. So yeah. But Christine
0: <laughs> Worth was pulling grays out of my hair in shop class in tenth grade. I've always been a high-strung guy, so yeah, I'm pretty sure my hair would be all gray after a few months.
2: Well, I, I mean, it, it does. The business does it to you. You know, it's like. It, it can be very stressful, but I've gotten to a point where I'm just like, you know what, you know, this is not going to make or break anything when there's these, you know, somebody's acting like an idiot or whatever booking agent is screwing me for money or some, you know, somebody else is screwing me for this or that. I don't let it get to me too much because m- my career is based on solid rock. You know, it's just like, it's built over like 13 albums. You know, I played with everybody. It's like, you know, it's, uh, some nickel and dime guys are not gonna change my, how I'm perceived in the world or or really affect me, my trajectory as an artist. So I, right I, on. I yeah, I, I mean, I just, I just bleach my hair now, I don't have to worry. <laughs>
0: well, I need to take your advice. I mean, the good thing about um, age though, and I'm 45, and I think you've got a few years on me, is you've seen it all before, right? So something that would have been like at 22, you'd be like, holy fuck, what am I gonna do? Now oh, you yeah. kinda like, oh, this is par for the course. I've been down this road before.
2: Absolutely, but even though you've been down that road, it doesn't mean it feels good, <laughs> it's like.
0: You know, I don't know. I'm,
2: it's still a shock in the ass every time. You know, I really, you know, there's. I'd love to put my fist into somebody now and again, but it's just, uh, you know, I, I I'm just not gonna let myself get that crazy anymore because it, 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 it serves no purpose, and, and, you know, once you walk away, you realize, you know what? I just made a good decision, and I'm not doing anything stupid. It's good. Amen. It's good. That. Yeah.
0: All right, let's talk tough as fuck. Live from Athens, the new album. Um, you yeah. did an album in 2008, live from England. Why yeah. another live album at this point? And, you know, Athens, my family's from Noxus, Greece. So I kind oh, of feel wow. like I have a connection
2: with that. Why Athens? But it's it's really weird. I've got a, a fan base in Athens uh, that is really crazy. I mean, these people, I'm like rock star Joe over here it's like crazy so i you know it was the end of the year we came in it was the end of the year 2015 the record came out in november of 16 but uh we came in and it was uh just a super energy we we just finished a whole year of touring writing etc and uh it just that was the last show of the year and uh we just really blew the house apart. Uh, a sold-out show, just a great place to to play. A really, a really great venue. And where was that recorded? What club? It, it was recorded at a place called Six Dogs. Wow. And uh, and and it, it's right in center of Athens. It's just, you know, you got the Parthenon. You know, the the, the beginning of democracy. You know, it's the vibe is still there. So. And these people, they they light the town on fire when they get pissed off and stuff. You know, it's like
0: and, yeah, I know yeah. how um, passions run deep with us Greeks. Yeah, fucking hell yeah. So
2: you know, it was just a great performance. So we we did the record without any overdubs, nothing. Just I just edited some things out because it was getting a bit long. But uh, we just really went for it, and I just thought you know, it'd be really great to put this out as a live record. Um, I was and so wasn't it wasn't planned that way when you went into it. No, not at all. Is I was hearing a playback. We were on tour in spring of 2016. And I thought, I'm looking around at the guys. I'm like, why don't we just put this out as a live record? It sounds amazing. And uh, everyone it, nodded their head yes. Uh, and then... Um, well, then it, it proceeded, I, I did the, the mastering in, in Spain and, um, and then we made sure it got done. Let me ask
0: you something. As somebody who likes to stay kind of up-to-date on what's going on with Greece and austerity and how Putin's buying out their banking system and the hostilities over there, how is the political climate changing, like, the intensity of the crowd? Are they just getting more and more intense because they need that fucking release? Are you noticing a difference as Greece goes through these different kind of political upheavals?
2: I think they were more pissed off when... uh well, they went to the euro, and then the euro fell apart for them. Yeah. And, and, and Bundesbank in, in Berlin decided that they had to pay up for um, their debt, that they, they were in, you know, pretty bad economic situation because of the um, entitlement programs that they gave to people. Um, people were voting for politicians that said, look, I'm gonna, when you retire, we're gonna give you this amount of money. And then the next guy to get elected would say, I'm gonna give you even more. And then Uh, the next guy, even more.
0: Yeah, we know how that game goes.
2: Yeah, so they ended up, uh, you know, eventually having to, when they went to the Euro, they had to to end up paying up, which caused this austerity plan, which really hurts people. I mean, you have no idea. Oh yeah that the amount of money these people live on is unbelievable. It's just shocking. But um, they're not, they've kind of, uh, a lot of people are just like, okay, this is the deal. But actually Greece out of all the PIGS uh, countries, they are the ones that are coming out first, really. They're, they're, they've changed, turned things around. They've had their austerity. And they've, they're turning stuff around here, finally, after five or six years.
0: Is that seeping into the audience, though? Like, when you play, do you see a difference in 2008, 2012, 2014 in the audience based on the political climate? Or is that audience always that audience?
2: I think that the, the rock audience in, in Athens or in Greece in general, is pretty much always the same. When I kick off a set, the song is Puck the Pigs, believe me, they get excited. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have the fists are in the air, the feet are coming, guys are flying on the stage, it's crazy. So, you know, they love all those kind of songs. And and Warrior Soul is, you know, the the poster child of rock bands of, of anthemic you know, put your fist in the air against the system kind of songs. Well, you know, and I have to throw you a big compliment, too, because I'm
0: listening to the live album, and it gets to Wasteland, which is the last track on there, and I'm like, there is no way, like, this song's going to have the same energy it always had. And that's, I don't understand how you play this song a billion times and you still come at it. When I hear you play it, it's like you haven't played it in a 100 fucking years. You still rock so many songs. I I don't, how are you not getting burned out on playing a song like Wasteland a billion times?
2: You know, it's, you know, sometimes you do get burnt out on songs and then we, we take them out of the set and, and bring them back a couple years later. But, um, when you have passion and when you write with passion, anytime you perform, you're going to, you're going to be passionate about it. It's, you know, Let's face it. I'm not like a pop rock writer guy. You know what I mean? It's like everything is with extreme passion and, you know, it's pretty heavy stuff, really. I mean, fun, but heavy, you know, whatever. But that's, the the way to keep passion is to write with passion to begin with. Well, how much of um, your set
0: list, like how are you choosing your set list? Is it picked by the audience? If you have songs that are like the audience really wants, but you just don't feel it anymore, you don't want to play it, do you take it out of the set list? Or does the audience have more of a dictate on what you're going to play than your actual preference?
2: You know what? I've got 230 songs or something like that. And I can only play up to 18 per night. So... I try to, to change things up and surprise the audience in, in on each tour. I kind of have a, a general idea, and the band in January have a, a, a general idea of what we've done the year before or the year before. And we try to change it up by putting in five new songs uh, that are different. You know, always playing the big, you know, super classics. but. Changing, changing something's up so that it's always fresh to the audience. Um, I think an artist that uh, listens to the audience too much doesn't give them any surprise or any um, that kind of wonderment, that Santa Claus moment. You know? Wow, um, that's a good point. You know, it's like if you're just like like on Facebook going so. What songs do you guys want us to play this time? You know, it's like, where, where's the excitement, you know? It's like, would Frank Zappa, like, write to his fans and go, would you like me to play, you know, this or that? You know, come on. So, it's, the actual choices of the songs have much more to do with January and the rest of the band than me.
0: Nice. <laughs> because I'm
2: a, I mean, I'm the final, I'm the final guy, right? But... These guys are like, we're not even going to think about it unless you play this song, you know? It's like, all right, all right, all right, let's do it, you know? Yeah, I hear
0: January laughing back there. Hi, January.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Say hi. Hi.
0: (laughs) So you don't have any songs that are like, they'll burn the fucking club down if you don't play it. They're pretty accepting of anything you throw at them.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, because I'd like to think most of the songs are pretty good, but... um, People will get mad if they don't hear love destruction. Um,
1: some you know, but them. you know,
2: I very rarely do I ever hear someone complain. When you get, if you survive a Warrior Soul show, you know, it's like normally people are pretty appreciative that they're
0: there. You know. Yeah. Um, are certain songs that work in some areas of the world not work in other areas, or is that audience pretty streamlined? Can you play anything anywhere? Or do you say I'm going into, into like Royal Alabama? Maybe I better
2: not play this set here. Well, we do have one sticky thing when we play. She's Glaswegian in Edinburgh, Scotland. That kind of doesn't go down so good. I'm <laughs> but, not familiar with that. Tell us about that. What is that? Um, well, the the city of Glasgow, which is the industrial city on the uh, west coast of. Of Scotland, right? Uh, I wrote a I wrote a song called "She's Glaswegian," okay, which is kind of a, a kind of an ode to the city and and all the bars and places and, you know that are there, you know, kind of like L.A. woman for for Glasgow, she's Glaswegian, and hence Edinburgh, which is the competing city, sort of L.A. versus New York.
1: Edinburgh,
2: Edinburgh, is uh is on the east uh, about an hour and a half, right? 90 minutes away, I guess. And uh, you don't, we don't play She's Glaswegian in Edinburgh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, they hate each other. Well, they, it's not hate, but it's definitely, they don't the like rivalry. each other. Gotcha, gotcha. got yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> um, you know, but that's the only thing. I mean, I wrote uh, the music lyrics and the meanings of the songs to be transcontinental, trans-international, and multicultural, multi-city. It's not, you know, uh, it's not city-specific. You know, what I mean, it's not regional. Creatively, did you
0: get out of this album like what you wanted to? Because I know you said you didn't plan it, but once you heard it and put it out, are you getting the response you want? Are you like, I'm glad I did another live album? Is Now that you've done a live <laughs> album, is it like 10 more years? I can't do another live album for 10 more years? Or do you not pigeonhole yeah. yourself with any of those decisions?
2: I don't pigeon myself with anything. I mean, it's just... Because rock and roll is so marginalized in these days... Um, it's such on the back burner. I don't think there's any rules whatsoever. I think if your audience likes your music and you can deliver a really good product, they're gonna buy it and you're going to be able to eat for the rest of the year. you know what I mean It's like it's you're giving what they want a good product. and that's it, whether it's a live album, whether it's a studio album, it doesn't matter. It's they're getting what they want. And there's no more rules like there used to be back when the record company days.
0: Huh, that's interesting. So what, what do you think is more of a proponent in all this? Is it the kind of following you can build capturing new fans online and through YouTube and through Facebook and social media? Or is it those true blue fans that you think are just keeping that warrior soul ship afloat?
2: Well, it's definitely the true blue fans uh keeping it going but there's also we have new true blue fans all the time which is really interesting and what's weird is you start going to cities that you've played before for the last 20 years and the audience is younger than it used to be i mean wow. it, it's it's really weird man um i don't know who's you know where they're hearing it how they're finding it out but whatever we have a new audience all the time germany's always fresh um the Benelux area, uh, the UK, we've always got different, you know, different, st- there's like an influx of, of new blood, shall we say, um, which I don't understand where they're getting it. Either they see us on on YouTube or they stare, um, they've seen us at a festival or somebody's told them.
0: Or they that, hear you wow. on musical osmosis for the first time.
2: Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean. There's new fans coming all the time, but, uh, you know, every band, every artist has their core fans that keep them going through the the whole way, you know, that's just, that is the business.
0: Well, you said um, you have a new album you're working on. When you're working on new material, what do you have, I guess you don't, like you said earlier, you don't really have any kind of rules or expectations, so you're never in a situation where you're like, man, I got to fucking top myself, that
2: album was turned oh, no. 12, this album no, was no. 15 no, 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 I've always got to try and top myself. That's, you know, and that's what makes it such a pain in the ass. It's like, you know, doing another new record is just like, oh God, here we go. And it's, it's brutal, the, making a record is brutal. I mean, it's not as bad as writing a book, but it is brutal. And, uh, you know, I've got I'm working with some guys in Chicago. I've got some people in uh, Ireland. I've got people in London. Uh, People in Scotland, uh, all pulling together these riffs and stuff that we've been developing over the last eight months. And uh, it's, you know, it's coming together, but it's got to be as good as the last record or better. You know, you can't just put something out that's crap. Yeah,
0: I definitely agree with that. How much of what you're writing on average makes it to an album? How much do you just chuck because you're like, ah, this isn't this doesn't fit in or this wasn't as good as I originally thought
2: it was? I'd say I'd say 75% gets lost. Wow, really? That much? Yeah, because I write when I'm writing a song, there's pages and pages and pages that just end up on the on on the floor. Uh, and, it, you know, I've, I've got four versions of a song, easily, for each song. And, yeah, was, well, you got, when you're trying to put meaning to these, to to the riff, to the sections of the song, and you're trying to create meaning, you know, it's you can go through several different scenarios. Um, I'd say all the albums have always been like that.
0: So do you have a song that you wrote like 10 years ago and then you found it and you're like, holy shit, I forgot about this song. I'm going to rework this for the album. Has something like that ever happened? Or is it all pretty fluid and consistent?
2: Well, yeah. I would say I have found stuff, but usually I, I look at it this way. If I do find something that I passed up before, normally there was a reason I passed it up. And I usually take that into account. I would say very rarely would I go back into a demo uh, file and, and find something that I would actually bring back to, to play. Because normally, but hey, wait, having said that, I just looked in a file from the from the Paybacks of Bitch album and found a couple of riffs that I might pull back out that I just didn't have room for in the last album. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, I guess I'm lying to myself. I, I do go back and, and do that. Luba. So what
0: can we expect from this new album as it's coming alive as you're putting all the Frankenstein monster pieces together?
2: <laughs> oh, man, it is absolutely outrageous. It just starts it just starts off. It's I'm not gonna give it away. I'm just telling you, if you thought it was bad before, <laughs> why do you hear this one? <laughs> wow. What are we looking at timetable wise? Um, I really need this out by the summer. Um, I'm pushing really hard to get it out for for May.
0: Very nice. Um, One more thing, because we got to wrap this up in a few minutes. When are you coming to the States? It seems like you guys are always over in Europe. Are you not just pulling the audiences in the States? Do you not feel like there's a market there for you? How often do you even come
2: over here? Well, I, I was just there maybe five months ago, four months ago. Four, three or four
1: months.
2: What's that? Florida and Texas. Well, yeah. We keep negotiating with booking agents over there, and we never seem to get traction. They get excited, they make a couple phone calls, and then nothing happens. So, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it because we we have a guys looking in the South, uh, Florida, Texas, um, the Carolinas. That kind of thing. I can always go and do obviously New York, uh, the Eastern Corridor, the Rust Belt, the, the Cleveland, Detroit. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Toronto,
2: Chicago, but um, the money hasn't been right lately, so I'm just kind of laying back a little bit. Um, I had so I had some stuff booked for last year in uh, the summer in Los Angeles and then up the West Coast, Vegas included. New Mexico, et cetera. But it just never really materialized the way it would have to be to fly everybody out, et cetera. So, um, I'm going to be playing America this year for sure, but I don't know where yet.
0: Well, you need to. And as big of a fan as I am, as sad as this is, I've never been to a warrior soul show. If you can fucking believe that. Nick, I just lost all all my cred with you. But no, but you got one of my paintings. So it's just as good. Yeah, it balances out. All right, we got to cut and run and get out of here. Where can right. everybody find you, and what do you want everybody to know about this album on your way out the door?
2: Uh, well, this the live album is absolutely rocking. If you want a real, true live album with no overdubs that just turn it up and scare the neighbors... This is the one for you.
0: It is raw as hell. And I gotta tell you, you still got that growly voice that I love. I don't understand that you're not losing your voice by now. This has uh, gotta be it, taking a hell of a toll on
2: you. Well, it is, <laughs> but hey, you know what? It's You either rock or you do not rock. That's uh, the deal. And, but you know what? Uh, if you want to get in touch with with Warrior Soul, January, etc., me, you can go to Facebook, uh, Warrior Soul or Corey Clark Facebook or Corey Clark 2, Facebook or Corey Clark Original Artworks, etc. Um, that's where we're at right now. But We're, we're building a new, a new website, but that's not going to be up for a couple months.
0: Gotcha. You know, um, I'll, I'll give you this one last thing. And I told you this on the first interview I ever did with you, actually, on the music show. Your music has survived the test of time. My favorite song by Thank you guys you. is Jump for Joy. And yeah, we're gonna end with that song. But you listen to the lyrics, and you could have fucking wrote that song yesterday. I mean, it's a you're a little bit of a mad prophet when you write this stuff because it stands the test of
2: time. Yes, I don't see what mad has to be in it. Can I just be a prophet? Man, got to be a mad Uh, prophet. I need an adjective. I know, but the thing is, I wrote it so it would be timeless. I don't, I don't put um, dates. I don't put this or that. uh, You know regions of countries or whatever it's just the feeling of a city when it's in the in in the throes of decay um and and it that is timeless there will always be cities in decay indeed and i think that's why you keep capturing
0: new audiences because anybody can put was, in any of those warrior soul albums and still relate
2: well and i think i think they're totally relevant as you said and i just appreciate you and and others that that uh, realize that and are, are willing to expose the music to to others. I appreciate it very much, Nick, really do. Absolutely. All right, Corey, I wanna thank you so much. Thank you, January,
0: in the you background. T- thank you so much for yeah, calling in today. Welcome. Bye, Dee, you take care, you guys. Bye, guys. Yep, we'll have you back soon. All right, let's end with yeah. some Jump for Joy.